Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see, that you give us salve for our eyes, a healing ointment for our eyes to see clearly the true spiritual reality, that we would see truth, that we would see your, your value, that we would see your beauty, that we would see your surpassing greatness and worth. And every decision would be clear and easy to believe you, to follow you, to trust you, to love you, to live for you. And so as we open your word, I pray that you will do those things for us. Help us to see your truth. Help us to know your truth. Help us to walk in the freedom of your truth. We pray in Jesus' name. All right, well, it's good to see you. Hi, Madison. Uh, It's good to be here with you this morning. I'm a little sleepy today. Uh, I'll try to be energetic and and enthusiastic. Uh, I'm I'm happy to see Virgil here. He was out late night last night in Evansville at my brother's wedding. And, uh, And so, but it's good to be here with you this morning. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be uh looking at God's Word, opening God's Word, and talking to you. And so uh, I pray that God uses this time, that it's instructive and it's fruitful, uh, that it's powerful, life-giving, and transforming. So we're going to be, uh, we're walking through the Gospel of John, all right? And we're in chapter 8, we're coming to the end of chapter 8, and the, the verses that I've been charged to teach are 37 through the end of the chapter, that would be verse 59, I believe. Uh, 37 through 59, and we have, we have conversation here. We have a, a back and forth uh, with Jesus and the Jews. We see this, uh, this takes place. John records these conversations, these dialogues. And so, uh, like, when I was first diving into these uh, passages, you know, it was, a, it was challenging for me because sometimes I just get lost in the back and forth. I don't know if you do this. Sometimes when I read my Bible, like, they just start going back and forth. And I kind of like, you know, I'm looking for memory verses. I'm looking for, you know, the, the Bible stories from my childhood. I'm looking for, uh, you know, the, the nuggets and the truth that I'm, I'm used to. And sometimes I get lost in the details. And, and it's difficult for me to dig down and, and parse out what's going on, what's being said, what's being said or left unsaid or what's implied. I don't know if you get this way when you guys read the Bible. Does that happen to you? So... Uh, our challenge today is to dig through this and uh, hopefully come out with an understanding. And uh, ultimately, we want to walk in truth. So I want to back up uh, to the passages that were covered last week. I guess if we go to verse 30, uh, Jesus was talking to the people. There's a crowd that's there, and I believe this would be a mixed crowd. There are disciples, there are followers, there are people who are... uh, the 12, the regular disciples, the disciples that are following Jesus where he goes, those that are coming to believe, and those that are opponents of Jesus. Um, but something was happening in that crowd in verse 30. It said, even as he spoke, many believed in him. All right? Even as he spoke, many believed in him. And he went on to say to the Jews, he was addressing the Jews who believed in him. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And that's key there, right? Um, calling yourself a Christian doesn't, you know, calling yourself something doesn't make you that thing. 
all right? That actually is probably, that's kind of a popular view in today's world. I won't, I won't get into it too much. But in today's world, they just kind of say, if you call yourself something, then you are that thing, right? But that's not really true. That's not really truth. I looked up the definition of truth. And uh, if you look it up, the definitions changed over the years. I don't know if you know that. Like, they edit and change uh, dictionaries, for instance. And so one of the definitions... Um, one of the definitions that you'll find in the dictionary today for truth is a fact or belief accepted as true. Uh, that's, a little bit, that's a little bit redundant. Like, oh, if you accept it as true, then it's true. Okay? Like, it seems obvious that that is uh, not something firm that you can build your life upon. If you accept something as true then it's true. That's, and to be fair, that's one of the given definitions for truth. Uh, so it's not necessarily the only definition. But uh, that doesn't give you much to build your life on, right? You want to base your life on truth. You want to build your life on truth. And if, if the only thing that, if, that requires something to be true is that it's accepted, well then that's a low bar for a standard of truth, right? Uh, and that doesn't leave you with much firm ground beneath your feet. Back in the 1800s, uh, this was a definition that was uh, included there. Conformity to fact or reality. Conformity to fact or reality. That which is or has been or will be is part of that definition. That which is, has been, or will be. I like that I like that a little bit better. I, I mean, maybe I'm just old-fashioned, you know. I'm getting up there. I'm, I was 42 this month. Uh, you know, I'm in like my, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just in my, getting in my old man era. I'm a little bit old-fashioned. I don't really think it's a good thing to just say whatever's accepted is true. A fact or belief accepted as true is truth. I want to conform to reality. I want my life to be conformed to reality. I want to walk in the truth. And what's interesting, Jesus made this proclamation. He said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's good news. Jesus is giving them good news. We want to be free. I want to be free. I want to walk in freedom. I want to be conformed to truth. I say this often, but if, if you love the truth then you want to be shown where you're wrong, right? Some people just love to be right. They don't really love the truth. If you love to be right and somebody shows you where you're wrong, you get mad at that person. We're going to see that's what happens uh, to Jesus. It says, they answered him, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Right? Now this response is instructive you know, not everyone, like good news doesn't hit everyone the same. The good news that Jesus offers, not everyone accepts it as good news. Like when you're a Christian and you really take your faith seriously and you want to share your faith, like it, it's a shock sometimes. You just think this is good news and everybody's going to be excited about, I'm excited about Jesus. Everybody's going to be excited about Jesus. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. And we're always caught off guard when people aren't excited as we are when we're young, young evangelists, young, young Christians, 
Uh, it catches us off guard. It should not. Scripture tells us, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.18, he said, uh, For the preaching of the cross to them that are perishing is foolishness. But unto us which are being saved, it's the power of God. The message of what Jesus offers, the good news, doesn't hit everybody the same. And in fact, to those that are perishing, it comes across as foolishness. What I thought was interesting, they said, we're Abraham's descendants. What got them, what they rejected, they couldn't accept that they weren't free. They didn't think that they needed freedom. They didn't think that they needed deliverance. They didn't think that they needed a Savior. So the good news about the Savior wasn't good news to them. It was an insult to them. They were looking at a plane of reality. They said, we're Abraham's descendants. They were looking at uh, their genetics, their ethnicity, their family tree, their heritage. They were looking at a level of reality that wasn't the true spiritual reality. That they needed saved. That they needed freedom. But even then, they weren't walking in the truth. They said, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. Right? Like, I can just, like, I just read over that the first time, okay? Like, I kind of took what they claimed at face value. But then I thought, wait a minute, I've actually read a lot of the Bible, you know? I, there's a book called Exodus, right? And the whole story, you know, like, they're followers of Moses. The whole deal is that they were slaves and they needed delivered. So maybe they're saying, like, in my lifetime... I haven't been a slave. So they're claiming the descendancy of Abraham, but they're, what they're saying is, I don't need what you're selling. But they weren't conformed to reality. They didn't know they were slaves of sin. We had a message about this last week. Uh, I'm not going to go there, but that's what got them riled up. The good news didn't hit them as good news because they weren't conformed to the reality of their situation. They weren't walking in truth, which is what Jesus in our passage, is trying to get them to see. We're at verse 37, all right? And so we're going uh, to jump there, and Jesus is still responding to them. I'll read this passage, and then uh, we'll dive into it. I'll, just, I'll read the whole big chunk, okay? That way we get the really good stuff, God's Word, and then after that you can, you can have Nathaniel's words, and you can decide what you're going to do with that. Let's look at God's word. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. That's a dangerous assessment. They had no room for the words of Jesus. They had decided what they were going to believe. They had their worldview. They weren't open to truth. They had no room for his word. I'm telling you what I've seen in my father's presence, and you're doing what you've heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You're doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. 
You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God, here's what God says. And the reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there's one who seeks it and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, now we know that you're demon-possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You're not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you've seen Abraham? Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. So we have another conversation of Jesus with people picking up stones, attempting to kill him. And we see, uh, I've mentioned this before, that as they reject his message, you know, as they take offense at his message, he doesn't tone down his message. He doesn't change his message. The truth doesn't change. He increases his attempts to break through. And he's not afraid of offending them. He's not afraid uh, of their anger. He's not afraid of their retaliation. He doesn't water down the truth. He continues to present the truth. And he continues to appeal to them. And they harden their hearts further and further. And so we have this argument about Abraham and Abraham's children. And, you know, Abraham and his children are in the news today, are they not? Uh, With what's going on in Israel. Um, To me, that's just testimony. Uh, It's proof that God did something. That the Bible is true. That there's significance. It is impacting our world today. It's front and center in the news today, the outcome uh, and the experience that Abraham had and, and how that plays out in his family and his offspring. And they're claiming to be Abraham's children. They're claiming Abraham is their father. And they're using that as their reasoning that they don't need freedom, that they don't need Jesus, that they don't need a Savior. They're claim to salvation is in their genetics. It's in their ethnicity. It's in their ancestry. It's in their 23andMe report, you know. People are kind of obsessed with that these days, or it's something that people are really into. You can go to Ancestry.com, 23andMe. You can, I don't know how you do it, but you can get your, a breakdown of your ancestry, where your, where your people are from, right? They're taking that little piece of paper. They're taking that report And they're saying, this is my ticket 
to salvation. This is my ticket to heaven. This is my ticket to right standing with God. They've made a decision. They've decided, and their reality, they're conforming that to the reality without understanding the knowing the condition of their heart. They're lying. They're being filled with murderous thoughts. They're ready to kill Jesus. They're rejecting the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. And they fail to see that. They're not conforming to the reality. Jesus is presenting to them the true reality. And he says, actually, your father, he's telling them that they're doing what their father did. Their father, the devil. And Jesus said, Satan is the father of lies. In Revelation, it calls him the deceiver of the brethren, the deceiver of the brothers. And you can go back to the very first book of the Bible, the opening stories, the book of Genesis, and you can see the serpent deceiving Eve. She's surrounded by the garden. She, they walk with God in the cool of the day. They are immersed in God's reality, God's goodness. They're immersed in God's provision. And the serpent comes to Eve and he begins by saying, did God really say? He plants, he asks a question and he plants a doubt in her mind and he alters her idea of reality. Do you see how that's true? Did God really say? And he twists God's words. He asks her a question that God didn't say. And he makes her think, that God's holding out on her, that God hasn't given his best, that God's withholding his goodness, that there's something lacking in what God has given her. And she's deceived and takes the fruit of the tree. Her perception of reality was altered and she no longer conformed to the true reality. The thoughts in her mind and therefore her actions were not conformed to reality and she was not walking in truth and she was separated from God now I want us because I want to do this too we have to examine ourselves it says Satan masquerades as an angel of light he's not uh, it was times where maybe he's blatant or he's obvious but he's attempting to deceive us he wants us to believe half-truths subtle lies about who God is and about what he's done for us and I, I, I wish we could I wish we could print out a report I wish we could just you know hit a button and get an assessment my you know we had fall break this week my kids got the report cards they got an assessment uh, of their grades and all that well couple of my kids go to school you know the ones that go to public school got that I wish we could get an assessment that said this is our percentage that we're walking in truth but this is the percentage that we're walking in deception I would propose to you that the problems that we have in our world and the problems that you have in your life are rooted in deception. 
believing and operating out of lies. Chrissy, you're, Chrissy's a social worker. She encounters kids in the school that have, uh, I, would, I would assume, she doesn't talk to me about cases, but I mean, I would assume that there's a multitude of complex problems that our students, the young people in the world today are facing. And I believe that every single one of them is rooted in the adoption of a lie, of living a reality that's not, that's not conformed to truth. And so we see Jesus, he's, uh, it seems that he's antagonizing, he's escalating the situation here, but he's increasing his efforts to break through because it's the loving thing to do to tell someone the truth. Especially when the truth or when the lie is going to kill them. When the lie results in death. Especially when the lie results in eternal death. We have to know the truth. And how do we know the truth? Jesus said, you're my disciples. If my word abides in you, if my word lives in you, we must know God's word, which is the standard. You know, there's people that were starting to believe, and yet when they were told the good news, they accepted their version of reality. We've never been slaves. We don't need to be free. And they rejected the message of God, the good news of God. You know, there were Christians that did that. There was a church in Revelation. I was, I was reading this. I was thinking about it. Uh, in Revelation chapter 3, the church in Laodicea, this is, you'll, I'll, I'll hear, this is uh, Jesus speaking to them, and uh, he's echoing their version of reality. In verse 17, they said, or Jesus said to them, you say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, I do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. He gave them advice. He says, I counsel you to buy for me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. We need, uh, Christy was talking about the, the treasure, the breaking of uh, the you know, the box, the alabaster box with the ointment. And uh, she had a true perspective of reality. She had on one hand, a, you know, valuable artifact filled with, you know, expensive perfumes. And on the other hand, she had the feet of Jesus. And she made the correct decision, which is more valuable. This is nothing compared to this. I will break this for this. And Jesus is saying, you need gold from me refined in a fire, not earthly riches, not earthly wealth. Do not put your trust in your heritage. Don't put your trust in your past. Don't put your trust in your uh, adherence to religious rules, rituals, or doctrines. You put your faith in me. You put your faith in my word. He said, uh, by white clothes to wear. It's a symbol of putting on the righteousness of Jesus. He died on the cross, shed his blood to forgive our sins. He said, his, Scripture talks about how his blood washes us white as snow. We need forgiveness of our sins. And we need 
salve. We need healing of our vision. My prayer today is that we would be desperate and cry out to the Lord and go to His Word so that our eyes may be healed, that we see reality, true spiritual reality correctly. You know, they said, I'm saved, I'm okay, I don't need anything from you, Jesus, because Abraham's my father. And he said, yeah, you know, your, your lineage is through Abraham, but the spiritual reality is that your father is Satan. And that you are a slave. You say you're free, you're the chosen people. But the truth is, because of your sins and the condition of your heart, you are a slave. You're not free. And you need a Savior. So I would beg you to cry out to the Lord for those things. To, to set your household on a journey to root out lies and to excavate in God's Word the truth. To find where you're living your life based on lies. Where you're not conformed to God's reality, which is the true spiritual reality. To find where you've been lied to, where you believe lies about yourself, you believe lies about God, you believe lies about the, the condition or the situation of the world, you believe lies about truth. You know, uh, if you're watching the news, I mentioned, you know, Israel and stuff that's going on. It's, it's a hard world to know what the truth is, isn't it, about situations. You know, there, there was a news report that came out that uh, the, Israel had sent a bomb into Gaza and it blew up a hospital and 400, 500 people were killed. And then some news started coming out. Well, it, it didn't seem like it was a rocket from Israel. And then there was video of a misfired rocket that they were firing into Israel that flew into the hospital and actually it didn't even hit the hospital, it hit the parking lot and, and news stories come out and then counter evidence comes out and, and it's difficult to, to figure out the truth and to make an assessment and there are people in the world that distort the truth to confuse us and to make us question, to make us doubt to make us believe their story, their narrative, their version of reality, in order to, uh, I think, you know, to shepherd us, to move us like sheep into whatever, whatever pen they want to put us in so we believe or act or think or, or vote a certain way. And we need to be above the influence of the lies of the world. We need to know God's truth. We need to make room in our heart for the word of Jesus. He told them, you have no room for my word. We need to approach God's word by clearing out our perception of reality and being open to being corrected by God's word. I talk about this often, but the world tries to tell us things are bad that God says are good. And they try to tell us things are good that God says are bad. They're trying to convince our young people. They're trying to convince our, our young adults. And, you know, I, 
I mean, I'm not trying to be uh, fearful or whatever or conspiratorial, but there are perpetuating lies in schools and universities, on news and social media. I mean, it's obvious, uh, you know, TikTok and those sorts of things that they want to perpetuate lies and ideas about reality that do not conform to reality. And it's shaping a generation of young people. We need to combat that with the truth, with the standard, with God's standard. Satan is the father of lies, the deceiver of brethren. Uh, he deceived Eve when she was surrounded by the abundance of goodness of God. And so how much more do we have to be careful? Paul told the Colossians in Colossians 2.8, he said, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. There's human philosophy, there's human tradition, there's human ideas, and there are spiritual beings also in the world at work to deceive. There's a spiritual battle taking place. Don't be surprised if people find the preaching of the cross, cross as foolishness. Paul warned us. But you don't have to retaliate. You don't have to be angry. We're not calling for uh, a crusade. We're taking up arms. It's not a battle in the physical realm. It's a spiritual battle. But we need to begin by making sure that we are seeing the world correctly. We need that salve. Is that how you say that word, salve? My wife makes fun of me how I say it. How you say it, Brandy? Por the porter stuff you get, the Amish stuff that's real good. What is it? It's salve, right? Is that right? Yeah? Okay. I think I said it wrong one time, and I, now I just don't know what's right. You know? That's how it goes. Uh, we need to ask God to heal our eyes, and we need the humility to receive what comes from Him, and then to conform our lives to His truth. You know, we, we do the subtle things, humans, uh, we do this thing where we want to conform what the Bible says to fit what we already believe, or what we want to be true, what we'd like to be true. You know, we want to live in a certain way, we, we find ourselves in a situation um, and we kind of have the, maybe the suspicion of the idea that this is not right or this is sin. And instead of adjusting our lives to God's word, a lot of times we want to just find ways to explain it away. To justify it. To allow it. And we need the humility. We need repentance is what we need. We need to adjust our lives to what God says. Not try to adjust God's word to allow what we think is best for our situation. I know life is complicated. We find ourselves in really difficult situations. And when we've had a history or a lifetime of, of sin or addiction or uh, walking in unbelief, walking in things that aren't true, we can find ourselves in a, a complicated mess. And we can, we can uh, find it easy when we compare ourselves to maybe where we were. You know, compare ourselves from where we were to where we are now. But we have to compare to God's word. We can give ourselves, you know, we can, 
We can be happy that God's working in our lives and we've made progress, but we can't use that as an excuse not to live our life aligned to God's standards. Are you tracking with me? You following me? There is good news in here. Jesus says if we believe his words, we'll never taste death. He's talking about spiritual reality, spiritual truth. And uh, they ask him, he say, you're not even 50 years old and you've seen Abraham. Toward the end, Jesus says, very truly, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. He's using the holy name of God. He's saying, I existed. Yes, I'm claiming to be God. He's claiming divinity. He's saying, I existed before Abraham. Scripture tells us that he is the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. We tell, it tells us that he existed. He pre-existed is a, a word that theologians use. Jesus is saying, yes, I'm claiming that. I'm claiming that. That's how I know truth. I know my father. I know what I'm saying is right. And you're rejecting it. One of the things that stood out to me, Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. And I thought, what did Abraham do? And so I went back and I read. And to summarize what Abraham did, you can find it in Romans 4, which quotes Genesis 15. God came to Abraham and God gave Abraham good news. And you know what Abraham did? Jesus gave them good news. He said, you can be made free. The truth can set you free. They rejected Jesus. God brought good news to Abraham. The promise, he brought a covenant. And Abraham trusted God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. That's how Abraham was righteous before God. That's how Abraham was saved. Because he trusted God. He believed God's word. And he lived out his life conformed to that reality. And so that's, that's what's for us. Take God at his word. I challenge you. Believe God's word and adjust your life to it. Examine your life. Ask God to show you where you're believing lies. Where you're believing things that aren't true. This is deep soul searching work. I mean, I think God may reveal things to you just like that. I believe he will. I know that he's done that. But I think it's also a journey and a, a process of walking with God and learning God's word so that you know the counterfeit, you know the lie. And I guess that's my encouragement, my exhortation to you. Look at those things in Revelation chapter 3 that Jesus told us to get. His treasure, his righteousness, his healing. And base our life on his reality. Can I pray for you? Lord, your word says uh, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
And I believe that sometimes he does that while making us think that we're comfortable. He uses lies to steal, to kill and destroy from us. And he makes us comfortable in those lies. While the noose gets tighter, while the trap is sprung, while the net is thrown over us, we're being drugged away. But Jesus, your word says that you've come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So I pray for the people here, Lord, that you would give us the courage and the wisdom to take an honest look at our life, to take an honest assessment. Would you reveal to us where we're believing lies? We're believing things that aren't true. You're not holding out on us. You've given us your best. You're a good father. You are trustworthy. You didn't hold back your son in reaching out to us so we can trust you. We can go on this journey of truth. Heal our eyes, God. Our spiritual eyes. Let us see the true reality of our situation. And give us the humility. Grant us, Lord, repentance. To change our lives. To conform. To you. Not to conform to the world. But to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. I know that I'm asking a big thing. And so God, send us on this journey as a church, as people. I want to see these people. I want to see my brothers and sisters walking in your abundant life. Deliver us, Lord, from evil. Lead us not into temptation. Provide us what we need for the journey, God. I pray in Jesus' name. We have communion set up around the room. Remembering.